0: Welcome back to the thunder six podcast i'm your host ben Kreider, and today i'm gonna to be talking about jeremy sohan as reported he's working out with the thunder today so i'll be breaking him down as a prospect as well as the dynamics which led to the story of him working out being released on top of it all i'll be talking about some other players such as sohan who fall in that number 12 range that oklahoma city might try and snag and to wrap things up i have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings sportsbook so you do not want to miss out on that starting things out though with jeremy sohan guys this is a prospect that if you're on thunder twitter if you're In draft circles, you hear Sohan's name all the time. In particular, in an OKC Thunder jersey. And these rumors have been really springing that OKC has liked Sohan for like a month now. And as reported by Joe Musato, yesterday, Sohan will be working out with the Thunder today. So, just diving into Sohan and... You know, kind of the connection between Oklahoma City. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, he had the story of OKC potentially packaging SGA and six for number one. Some people didn't like that, but uh, he had a report that he dropped on the Topic Thunder podcast yesterday that Sohan was kind of a name tossed around in, uh, in, in Chicago, actually, for the NBA Draft Combine. And it was the idea that OKC might be, you know, fixated on getting Sohan. And even if that meant, you know, needing to trade up to get him, they might be interested. Now, I'll go into that in a second. I think, you know, it was very early in the process and that easily could be a smokescreen, especially if it's going um, in, you know, a day after the envelopes are finally unveiled. And hell, if this was dropping during the G League camp, You know, it was before the Thunder even had their picks settled. So, you know, there's a couple asterisks you put on that, but we'll put it to the side right now. I think we should just tackle the actual report from Joe. And he said that Jeremy Sohan will have a pre-draft workout tomorrow with the Thunder, according to his agency, Tandem Sports and Entertainment. Joe is basically like the guy for the Thunder beat. Um, When you're talking about, like consistent coverage, like he's following the team around, reporting on them. He's got great story ideas all the time. So he's the guy uh, when it comes to, you know, this team, I guess, uh, if you want to centralize on like upbeat reporter. There's so many great ones in this market. But Joe's kind of like that big one. And he's even a a great person too, actually. Um, I had a story that I posted on SI earlier this week on Beard Like Harden. Um, like that Maroon 5 parody 10 years ago, 10 year anniversary came up. I interviewed some of the guys from that video to put on the website and, you know, I messaged Joe cause he did a, a story kind of similar to that on like that pizza rolls meme. If you all remember that. Um, so he, he gave it a look and gave some comments, really appreciate it. But yeah, so he was the one that obviously reported the news on Sohan and it's coming directly from the agency. And I think the the dynamics of, like, how he got the information is pretty big because if it's one of those things where, you know, Joe, like, inquired directly with them, it's different than the agency, you know, messaging Joe out of nowhere saying, hey, Jeremy Sohan's working out with the OKC Thunder tomorrow because, um, you know, those could be, Two completely different um, spins, really, because if you're an agent, I think it's actually beneficial sometimes to offload some of this information because it helps build that hype around a prospect. I think of someone like Jeremy Sohan, where he has been linked to the Thunder. I've heard that, you know, he'd be a good fit on the Spurs. This isn't like a rumor mill type thing, but I think he would fit well on the Spurs. You know, they're picked nine. Like, there's going to be interest for him, probably in the top ten. So to get OKC out and about that, like, oh, hey, they're interested in Sohan, it's actually probably a good thing for the agency to kind of have that. And honestly, I think it'd be good for them to kind of unveil everywhere that he's been at. And if he interviews a second time at a place, I think you want to also specify that because it does build up kind of that hype a little bit and it could lead to smoke screens. Sure. However, from the agency perspective, I think you do want to, you know, kind of acknowledge where some of these guys are. And OKC, I think that's kind of the prime spot um, where you would want to unveil that information. So the question becomes, is Sohan going to be the move for the Thunder or is he a smokescreen? And this is something everybody's going to be talking about, right? Because the history last season was just the biggest 180 ever. There was a consensus top five in last year's draft class. OKC gets at number six. And I'll say this. It was probably a top four at first. But Barnes worked his way in and, you know, he, he booted J- uh, Jalen Suggs to five. But six was where you had kind of your pick of the litter. And no one knew where the Thunder would go. Book Booknight seemed like the option. I thought Kumingo would have been a really good pick there. That was the person I wanted. They went giddy. Um... I don't think anyone really had their sights set on him being on that board because he was projected like 10, 11, but they took him. Anyways, Book Knight was that main guy. And I think we all know the story at this point. You're hearing stories of Presty sitting down, eating dinner with him. Uh, you know, workouts, you know, being in the process as well. SGA needing that co star. Book Knight showed signs of being a good shot creator at UConn. Like there were just a lot of dots. Connecting and it seemed like locked and loaded. The envelope, um, whenever it was six, and whenever you got through the pre-draft process, James Booknight would be the one donning the thunder hat. But Giddy ends up being that guy. Booknight slides, goes to Charlotte, and he really hasn't played. I think it's more of a matter of like situation because the Hornets don't really play him. They didn't play Kai Jones. JT Thor wasn't playing. It's was just very funky how they utilized it. So, I think when people bash Book Knight, it's it's kind of a joke. He didn't have enough time and he was a monster in the G League. But yeah, it was a real crazy moment that, you know, Presti went the giddy route and he had that like secret workout. It seemed like a couple days before the draft. Sohan kind of has that similar trail of like the Book Knight storyline where you know, kind of like this whole entire process. It seems like Sohan is the dude. But I also don't really know if you can put much stock into Presty always throwing a smokescreen out there. Like, obviously, he throws him out, sure. But who's to say he couldn't just be black and white this time and just take Sohan, you know? Like, everything has to be in the equation. And I think you really just need to assess the situation of... Kind of his play um and if he works with the thunder now if you want to compare him yet again to book night it's the same thing but you can compare anybody to this book night situation and it's going to be a similar profile book Knight fit the bill for someone next to shea now you look at some of these prospects you could talk about sohan Usman, dang dyson daniels they all fit with the thunder um So you can't really figure out what the exact label is for the premier smokescreen. But if it's going to be one, I guess you could say it's Sohan. Anyways, just digging into him as a player, though. Like, he fits like a glove, basically, for what the Thunder want. Now, the one caveat on maybe why they look a different direction is that defensively, he's amazing. But on the offensive front, he's not a great shooter. He shot... 58.9% at the line that's 53 of 90 and he shot 24 of 81 from downtown that's 29.6% he had some good moments I was actually down in Texas to see the first round of March Madness and he was popping off against Norfolk State I think he had two catch and shoot top of the key triples and he was really good he looked confident kind of going in those jumpers as well but As a collective, it obviously wasn't a great season for him, and that's where the red flag is. I don't necessarily see that as a deterrent for the Thunder, especially if he's just right there at 12 with no need to trade up for him uh, because they're used to taking these non-shooters. If they see the defensive profile and they see a really lengthy, multi-positional defender, they'll go ahead and try and take him. You look at a guy like Terrence Ferguson— He was a lot of potential, had skill. I mean, when he was in the NBL, he was doing fine. But, you know, there's a lot that he needed to grow on. It didn't work out ultimately, but they wanted to take a a dice roll on that type of build. You look at some other players like Roberson, that's a defensive specialist, maybe not a three-point shooter, even someone that... I don't think exactly fits the prototype of Sohan or some of the, these other guys. It would be like PJ Dozier when they uh brought him on for like a two-way deal. Or I don't even know if it was a straight two way. I think it yeah, I think it was a two way, and then Daniel Hamilton might have had the other one. But they brought him in and you know, he's like the six eight guard, pretty pretty good in size. Like they clearly See value and having those larger, you know, uh, players on their team. And Sohan's like six nine, seven foot wingspan, very good at roaming around the court. That makes sense for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And if it's a smoke screen, whatever. I I don't know. Uh, at this point, I think you just view the prospects, see who's good, make your board, and see what happens. Presty's the one man in the ship here, so. Um, you just kinda try to get the context clues in maybe a little bit, but that's all you can do right now. Sohan, though, laterally is very gifted when you're talking, you know, people setting screens up top. He's able to navigate through those very well. And if he needs to switch, he can. He's one of those special players in this draft class where when you're talking about where can he de- like defend positionally, he's gonna be a three or four, but If need be, I do think he can uh, play in stints at almost any position on the defensive front. Now, against guards, might say, you know, he's not fast enough, but he's very good at kind of keeping those angles defensively and, you know, utilizing his length to his fullest. So I think that's the big selling point on, on Sohan. And for OKC, they're always looking to ramp up the defense and, they need a three or four. It doesn't matter who they take at two, I'd say. If it's Paolo, Chet, or Jabari, I guess Jaden Ivy, if you want to throw it in there too. Sohan still works because it's not like a double dip situation. If you pick Chet at two, it might be redundant to take Durin at 12. Now, you could slide Chet to the, t- uh, to the four spot and... Before the lottery was unveiled, I was actually thinking Chet probably should play the four. But I don't know if it would work necessarily in Oklahoma City. If you take Chet, you put him at the five, Sohan works at your four spot. And then maybe you could look at some pieces such as Baisley being expendable. Now, that's just tossing something out there. But he does fill those shoes. Unless you're strictly playing him at the 3, I think he'd play the power forward if the Oklahoma City Thunder would elect to take him. Very unique player to find in the back end of a lottery with all these lengthy prospects. I'd say Scotty Barnes was the big one last year. Evan Mobley to t- to like some extent, but you know, he's a 5. There's real value in getting these longer prospects who can defend really anywhere. A lot has to go into that shot, though. If you're able to make him a competent shooter, you found yourself a very good prospect. I think when you're talking the floor, it should be fairly high with Sohan, which at number 12 is good. You know, he just turned 19 years old, so there's a lot of time for him to develop. He'll be a very good defender, and if the offensive game doesn't go insane, he's still going to be a defender and that carries a ton of value going into the playoffs. The one thing that I've seen is he's very good when it comes to attacking like a closeout. You know, if someone's closing out a little bit too hard, he's going to get that first step in and penetrate to the basket. I don't imagine that teams will close out on Sohan because he just doesn't have the resume of a shooter. But if someone does, I like his driving ability. Also, Really good when it comes to moving spins. He did a lot of spin jumpers this year. Same goes with just spinning into the paint. Didn't necessarily go up for it immediately every time, but he would spin, get that pivot foot going, and either go up for it or find some options off of a kickout. So that's the main, I guess, self-creation move he has. He doesn't have a lot in his bag currently. Very good puzzle piece, or I guess glue guy that... You could bring into the roster. I talked about you know the the situation itself of the agency, um, you know being being the guy Musado uh, was chatting about. I don't really know if it matters that much to be honest with you, but I did see uh, over on Twitter some people were you know kind of mention it. Like, should you put put too much stock in it? Should you not? I don't know. Honestly, I, I'll just say that like. From the agency perspective, it's probably good that the Sohan train just continues to rumble in Bricktown because you can see that, um, you know, what you can find from the fan base. They they like Sohan, and maybe the front office at the Thunder do as well, Uh, and other teams could see that the Thunder are interested, and they could try using that as some sort of leverage maybe. That's how this game works. It's always chess until you end up, You know, writing that name down and getting Adam Silver to go read it off. So, very perplexing. But, um, yeah, that's my my stance on the Sohan talks now. I want to talk about some other prospects that you could find at number 12 in one second here. But first, I want to let you all know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoff action is non-stop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Got through the Sohan talk today. We'll see how the workout pans out. One thing will stay certain. People are going to like Sohan. Um, and, and based on, you know, what other teams might need, he could be a person that rises past that uh, number 12 point. But we've seen him rumored anywhere from like, you know, nine to 16 on some of these mock drafts. Do I put stock in the mock drafts? Not really. I think that, you know, there's always those wild cards, the Zire Williams, the Josh Primos that just completely wipe out other teams draft boards but I think that range is reasonable I think it's actually a pretty big range for someone like Sohan and with kind of a a group past number five that gets a little bit blurry and I'd say you know if you're not sold on Keegan Murray Shaden Sharp it could just be a top four and five is where you get to kind of that slippery slope of just everybody mixing in but I have some of those players listed out right now for some draft options at number 12. I think the likelihood of some of them being here will be slim to none, but I still think it's worth mentioning their names. And the first one would be Dyson Daniels. I mentioned Dyson on the pod multiple times to this point. Let's be brutally honest. I think that getting Dyson Daniels at 12 would be about a 0.1% chance. Honestly, because Daniels is a very talented player and I don't think there's a ton of questions in his game. He could be a little bit better as a shooter maybe, but everywhere else, I'm a very big fan and with his current build, he's not limited to like one position. You know, he he was operating as a guard for the G League Ignite this year. Sometimes he'd be running with Scoot Henderson, but he was a primary or secondary ball handler a lot he's 6'7 6'8 depending on who you ask with a 6'10 wingspan he's a jumbo guard you can play him one through three and for a team like okc that works with lineups that they've been using you can plug him in next to sga and giddy if one of them is sitting you put dordan as that other option and you're still up and running because he can be that secondary ball handler He averaged 11.2 points, 6.2 rebounds, 4.4 assists, and 1.9 steals in 14 games for the Ignite. I think one of those games he played against the OKC Blue actually had them over in California. Don't uh, don't think they went to OKC for any of the games. But um, he had a couple nice blocks, I remember, in that contest. Anyways, though, he had some very impressive stat lines. He had... And this is an All-Star Weekend, by the way. This was against the Canton Charge. As you know, All-Star Weekend was in Cleveland this year. He dropped 18 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists. And this is a real game. This is the Ignite versus the Charge. For the Charge, it's not going in their regular season tally. But for the players, this is when you get the national attention again. You have to step up. So This was a high-stakes game that... Dyson ended up playing fairly well in. When you look at him, though, he's a point forward. I think that's why he's so alluring to a team like the Thunder. Good work in terms of, you know, those cross-court passes. When it comes to the pick-and-roll, is he crazy good? I wouldn't say he's, like, elite, but he's a solid pick-and-roll passer where he's going to throw those loft passes right up to the roll man. Michael Foster Jr. was the primary center that they had Foster's not the most springy guy, but he's able to get the job done. He maximized Foster um, in those reps where they were, you know, together in those high ball screens and with a bouncy center, he would do an amazing job in a two-man situation. In OKC, maybe a guy like Roby could um, set that screen, and sometimes Roby will pop out if he wants to roll into the basket. I'm sure Daniels will be able to kind of throw those passes right where they needed to be. One issue was the three ball shot about 26% from there, 13 of 51 in all. I like the mechanics, but end results, not about it. Defensively, I don't see many problems. I think that he's really good in determining the passing lane. Sohan was too. I don't know if I mentioned that, but... Daniels is basically a ball hawk you know he'll be surveying at the top of the key both managing his matchup but also kind of seeing where the ball is when he sees the play develop he's going to get in the right spot create some havoc off a deflection or just a straight-up interception and take the basketball the other way I don't think you'll find a multi-positional defender who's already a very good playmaker and a very good finisher at the number 12 spot I think it's actually very reasonable that the indiana pacers could try and snag him and they're at pick number six this year i think that the idea of putting him next to halliburton healed works and even duarte and brogdon are there too but because he is six seven six eight you can put him at small forward and he'll be just fine mentioned him a second ago when i talked about chet Jalen Duren out of Memphis is also getting some buzz. I think it's a lot more likely that Duren's at 12 than Daniels would be or Sohan, to be honest. This is more of the old school center where very athletic. And he's able to dominate uh, when he's playing back to the basket, but he doesn't have a mid-range game right now, and he does not have a three-point shot. So that is limiting, but if you get him setting screens, getting downhill... He is going to surpass the competition. One of the youngest guys in this draft class. He doesn't turn 18 until the back end of August. So you got plenty of time to get him into the development stages. Played 29 games for the Tigers this year. Averaged 12 points, 8.1 boards, and 2.1 blocks. Best way to describe him is a lob threat. I think that's the best Situation for Duran and with SGA and Giddy being your ball handlers, like it would make sense for Duran to be the guy setting the screens and rolling to the basket. He has that perfect blend. The one issue is because he can't shoot that three ball, that's going to lead to some potential congestion in terms of, you know, if SGA wants to attack the basket, he'll do much better uh, as a slasher if you have. A guy like Roby, JRE, Holmgren, for example, being able to fade off of that screen because if the center or if they switch the guard has to, you know, stick to the top of the key and guard that center, you have a one on one matchup and everything's opened up. If you got both your guys running to the basket, that's where it gets a little bit hectic. And for someone trying to collapse in, gives them a, a better chance at causing some disruption as well. So it's a bit of a ripple effect that can be created just off of something like that. I do like him, though, uh, in that inside play. And also, he's really good at protecting the basket on the defensive front. 2.1 blocks came off of both you know, flat-footed rejections or coming out of nowhere for chase down blocks. His vertical is one of his best-selling points. And that's really where you're going to find a lot of the work. I've seen comparisons to like DeAndre Jordan, for example. Maybe he could blossom into that. Right now, uh, he definitely has seeds of being one of those really good, you know, role men in the NBA. Have to find the footing. And I do think if you draft Holmgren, it might make more sense to go a different direction in terms of utilizing that number 12 pick. One of those guys could be Usman Dang out of the NBL. He was on a next stars contract with the New Zealand Breakers this year. Averaged eight point nine points, three point two boards and one point one assists. He didn't have the greatest stats, but he did a really good job in closing out this season. Like his shot form, he gets the ball off really rapid fire for his size. He is, I believe, six foot Ten, yeah, six foot ten. I-, I blanked there. Six ten with a seven foot one wingspan. So if you thought Sohan was lengthy, Jang is even bigger, and he's playing at the three. You might be able to move him to the four. He's only two hundred pounds right now, but but I can have some confidence in the fact that I think he can defend small forwards, obviously, but even the one and two, he was out at the perimeter. Um, defending and he does a good job closing out when they you know want to go on a step back and launch up some jump jumpers there even in terms of slashes to the basket is he the best in terms of you know footwork and lateral quickness no however he still is pretty agile so he can cut off some of those corners that your typical guys at 610 just are not able to do because they're you know power forwards or centers now I think Sohan is just the clear-cut better defensive guy right now than Jang in terms of potential. um, I'd say Dang has the higher one just because of the build, but also the offensive capabilities. He was putting the ball on the deck for some shots this year. Also, he was operating in the pick and roll, and he was doing it both as a passer and as a finisher around the basket. I talked about... Daniels lofting up passes to Michael Foster, that's what Jang was living off of. So if you're still caught up in this, you know, secondary or tertiary playmaking role, Jang is someone you could build up. I don't know if this is a start right away guy, might be someone that has to work maybe 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, like, I don't think it's an insult to put people in the G League. Maybe you want to put him in the G League for a little bit and let him get that longer run, it worked amazing for Alexei Polkashevsky. Number 17 pick, you know, if he's at 12, that's not too far off. And James Knight's a good example. Everybody was hyping him up. He was playing for the Greensboro Swarm basically just as much as he was with the Hornets. He wasn't getting very valuable minutes in Charlotte. And, you know, we'll see where he goes from there. But with Uzmain, if you want to kind of build him up, I don't think... Throwing him down to the G for a little bit is is bad at all. Even guys like Trey Mann did it this year, and it worked some big-time wonders for him. Let him be that primary guy, and whenever he got the opportunity in the garden, he lived up to it, and he really never gave up that spot again. And now, kind of view him as a, the sixth man moving forward, uh, going into his sophomore campaign. Those were the main three outside of Jeremy that I wanted to talk about at twelve. There's gonna be a bigger board than that, just because it's really hard to lock in these like mid to late lottery selections. Just some guys that threw out there. Benedict Matherin out of Arizona is one. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. I know he's not been viewed as a lottery pick. There was the rumblings at the lottery. I don't honestly I don't think OKC cares about what the board says. Williams would patch up you know, some needs. I think he can play two or three now. That's where it's a bit interesting though, because as we all know, OKC doesn't have an issue at the one or two right now. If anything, they have too many guys at those spots because Williams is six, seven. I'm pretty confident that he can play the three and he's one of those off ball guys that really excels as a sharpshooter. I don't know if Bane's a good comparison, probably not, but if you're talking about impact, I'd say that's about where you could see him peak at. Just that that guy who's not a very included get a person in terms of like taking on the deck, but he will light you up off a of catch and shoots and if there's a potential driving lane, like he's still able to slash the basket. He had some of the nastiest dunks that came out of the draft combine this uh, past month so I'd keep my name on him I don't think Jaden Hardy is in the conversation for OKC just because they have so many guys at the two and you never know with them but I like Hardy as a prospect I've seen him fall to where he could even be available at pick number 30 I think if he's at 30 you might as well take him I think there's really good value he wasn't a productive player with the Ignite this year, but he still dropped like 17 points, and there's a reason he was a top-five prospect going into um, you know the collegiate or the pro route. Very springy as a player, and he does have an, a nice bag in terms of self-creation. Someone's going to get themselves a gym and take in Hardy because even though he didn't live up to expectation, there is a lot of potential attached to his name. We'll see. If we get any more updates, I don't put much stock into workouts just because there's so many of them. I do think the Sohan rumblings will be cool just to see the uh, the ripple and maybe how some franchises or other fan bases across Twitter and such might react to Sohan. Anyways, though, guys, that is going to wrap things up for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.